welcome to episode 51 of Passing Places. I used to say if you're a regular listener, welcome back. So if you were listening to last week's episode or perhaps you're working your way through the back catalogue and reached this episode, then you're very, very welcome. I've been blown away in the last week with comments, really nice comments from people when they've heard the podcast is back on again. So I'll mention that in a minute or two. In this week's episode, we're off to Anstruther in the East Nuke of Fife, one of my favourite places in Scotland, really. And uh, I'll give you some audio and some uh, comments on my visit to Cellardyke and Anstruther. And then in the last few days, I've been back at Bricks and Mortar. I've been using my little uh, fitness tracker pedometer thing to motivate me to get out and start walking again. And so I've been exploring some little routes locally I wasn't aware of. And I'm hoping I can get some basic fitness as well as some weight loss in time for some more serious walking later on this year. So uh, before we get into talking about Anstruther and Cellardyke and East Nuka Fife and all those things, let's uh, quickly just cover some of these really important shout outs. Big thank you to everybody on the Facebook Passing Places uh, group who commented on hearing the, the new podcast episode was out. I really do appreciate not only your kind thoughts, but also the fact that you support the podcast through placing comments in the group, but also listening to the episodes. Makes it all worthwhile to know when you're speaking down the the barrel of a microphone that uh, there's somebody at the other end who's actually listening. So big thank you to all of you. And a special mention to a couple of emails I got. It's always nice to get direct correspondence from people. So big shout out to Kevin Rowlands and to Charlie Rice, who both got in touch by email, and that is special when people just go to that little bit of effort to get in touch and uh, offer a bit of support or wish you well, so thanks to both of you. And then finally, finally, I wanted to mention uh, just a a donation that that blew me away completely. Uh, I hope I've got your name right, Sabine Suzanne is your first and middle name, I think, from Stuttgart out in Germany who left the most generous donation for me in PayPal. And I think I mentioned that in earlier episodes, that you can support the podcast with a small financial donation and any monies go towards equipment and hosting fees. So, Sabine, that was completely out of the blue and uh, just blew me away. So I really, really do appreciate that. And I can assure you that money will be well spent on supporting passing places going, going forward. And then finally, before I forget, uh, I also got a, a voicemail. Remember, you can use the SpeakPipe service. If you go to the website bonnytours.com, you'll find a little voicemail option pops up. And you can practice your message, play it back umpteen times, delete it. It's only when you're ready to send it, press the send button. So don't be a little bit frightened of experimenting with it. But it's great when I get a voicemail and I can include that in the audio. So I'll finish with just a quick surprise voicemail I got, which turned out to be from my friend David. Uh, still a surprise, but he's down in the Mendips near Cheddar Gorge, which is just uh, south of Bristol in England. So quick listen to David just to uh, remind you of what the SpeakPipe service is like, and I'll be back with you in a second. Hey, welcome back, Kevin. Regular listener. This is Dave, and... Um, I'm just so pleased that you're finally back on the airwaves again and I hope that there's thousands more like me that will join me in saying how good it is to hear you back again. So uh, keep up the good work. 
So thanks again, David, and uh, I appreciate your support. So let's let me finish this whole back-slapping uh, section of an introduction to the podcast with a little bit of video. Sorry, a video, a little bit of audio I recorded out today. I was just checking my phone when I was out and about, sitting on a bench as I often do in the woods uh, above the village in which I live, and uh, I noticed something quite interesting on my phone. So have a little listen to this final. Uh, Backslapping. Well, you join Skid and I out at Gillies Wood, our local woodland. It's a funny old day, plenty of clouds. You might hear the wind in the trees. But uh, I'm looking, sitting on a bench, looking out over the flat ground towards Stirling. I just thought I'd come on the microphone briefly. I'll be doing the podcast later today, but I was just checking my phone there. I noticed that my downloads, total downloads for the podcast, have gone through 100,000, which is great. You know, it's a, a milestone. The podcast goes out to 115 countries, and the stats that you get for the podcast, they don't allow you to track individuals or people as such. I mean, I subscribe to a number of podcasts, and it's totally anonymous. But when a file is downloaded from the server, you do get a country location as well as account as one download. So I've got, uh, as I say, 115 countries have been downloading the podcast. Some of them at the, you know, one end of the spectrum have only had a single download or a couple of downloads. And then at the other end, the podcast is mainly popular in the UK and America. Uh, Afghanistan, which I presume is some of the troops that have been stationed over there and also uh, some of the mainland Europe, European countries like Germany and Spain and also quite a number of people in China. So it's, so for me, confirms just how small the world can be technology-wise and yet how large it really is when uh, some African countries, only one person out of millions has downloaded an episode. And one of the other funny things is every single state in the US has been downloading the podcast took me a while to collect them all, but that's another uh, nice touch as well. So I just wanted to say thank you to everybody. If you're listening in a country outside of Scotland, get in touch. You can use the SpeakPipe on my uh, website, bonnytours.com. The SpeakPipe's like a free voicemail service that you can use. Just uh, practice it at leisure. When you're happy with the replay of the message, you can just send it. And I'll play it on a future episode of Passing Places. So yeah, that's just what I wanted to come on and mention was the 100,000 downloads. So I'll try and get a podcast out today. That'll be just over a week since the last one. And Skid's anxious to go on with his walk. The one other thing that I've been doing in terms of counting this last week or two or a few weeks is the, the steps. I'm still using my fitness tracker or my pedometer. And I think my weekly target's now 5,000 steps. But in reality, I've been managing six and a half plus so on Monday I'll move up to 6,000 no 5,500 just got 500 a week so that I'm not uh, struggling to keep on top of it but it means I'm getting some basic walking in every day maybe three miles a day two or three miles at least and uh, you can probably hear that wind noise coming in on the microphones but we've got some sunshine up there too so I'm going to sign off just now you can hear Skid is whimpering to get on with the walk where 
sitting on a bench, I find it difficult to pass a bench without sitting down. So we'll uh, speak to you again later today probably and uh, catch you later. Now trust me, when you're sitting on a bench in public and you have uh, earbuds in and you have a lavalier microphone or a lapel microphone and a record in your hand and a phone in your pocket and the dog on his lead, you don't, uh, I don't feel very comfortable. So the whole way through that audio when I was playing it back, I, I thought, can you sound any more bored? But it's because I'm very, very conscious of being in public and I've got one eye out for somebody coming along the track and I'm always thinking, what are they going to say or think when they see me sitting there talking to myself? So I tend to uh, lower the volume and talk very deadpan. So, But it was quite exciting to go through the 100,000 downloads and it's, uh, it's further motivation to keep going. So let's get over to Anstruther. I went over on the Friday quite early and got over to... I uh, went through all the villages on the on the coastal route to Anstruther, which is probably the longest way in terms of time to go. went over the Kincardine Bridge and along that coastline. You pass through Kirkcaldy, which is one of the big towns, but places like Burnt Island, and uh, ended up reaching Anstruther in the... I suppose mid-late afternoon. And the campsite's a, it's a relatively new caravan park. It's only maybe two or three years old. It's called um, Silver Dyke Caravan Park. And they don't do any camping at all, so it's not really a campsite. They do have pitches for caravans and for motorhomes. And it's a little bit, uh, I suppose, frustrating that some of the pitches are Although you're on a headland and you should be able to see the sea and out to the Isle of May, there's some there's a little single track path between the the campsite, sorry, the caravan park and the the beach, and there's quite high hedge hedges growing there and some saplings trees, so some of the pitches are obscured in terms of the view. You can hear the sea, but you can't see anything. So that was where we were pitched. So we didn't get a view, but I do know that some of the pitches you will get a nice view out to the Isle of May. But anyway, brand new site and uh, new facilities, brand new toilet block and everything. So if you like your facilities spick and span, uh, I could recommend it. Staff are very friendly. Probably a little bit too many rules and or too many, uh, too much emphasis on the rules. Every caravan park campsite seems to have rules or needs them, but that'd be my only criticism. And it's situated. If you look at Anstruther, the map, Anstruther runs into Cellardyke, they're one place now, and the caravan park's just on the edge of Cellardyke, so the caravan park's at about 0.8 of a mile into Anstruther, but you could say a mile. But as you come down out the caravan park, the walk is largely, it's along the coast, but you're walking through Cellardyke the whole way, which is actually a really pleasant walk. You pass the harbour at Cellardyke, which is uh, very historical, a little pub there and you wander along the narrow streets and see all the, the architecture the fishermen's cottages and one of the things about the fishing villages of East Nuke is they're, they're very sort of picturesque and they have these red tiles on the roof many of them and that uh, harps back to the well, two or three hundred years ago when there was a, a lively trade. These villages were all competing with each other to do trade and they became royal boroughs and being a royal borough allowed them to uh, trade abroad. So they became prolific trading uh, towns with particularly the 
other fishing fleets from the lowlands like Holland and Belgium. And that uh, influence is quite clearly seen on the on the buildings and certainly the tiles. And the coastal villages used to produce a lot of salt. So you'll see the salt pans if you're doing the, the five coastal path. And there was also local coal mines. So the, the, the coal was mined locally and it was used in the production of salt. And salt and coal were both exported to mainland Europe. And in turn, the ships that were bringing the, the trade backwards and forwards used these roof tiles from the lowlands, Holland, Belgium, etc. as ballast on the way over. And they were then used as replacement up until that point. The roofs in the fishing villages would have been largely thatched roofs. And these red tiles were put on. And you can see, not just on the red tiles, but the influence of a lot of the buildings have got that sort of... Uh, European look about them, so that's one of the things that makes the whole East Nuka Fife really special. But as I say, you walk through all of that as you're wandering through Cellardyke, and you could just stop in at the pub at Cellardyke, so it'd only be a 10 minute walk or whatever from the camp, the caravan park. But if you walk the whole way into Anstruther, you arrive at the, again, nice big harbour, and lots of little cafes and shops, and Anstruther's pretty, I suppose, famous these days for its fish and chips. It's got an award-winning fish and chip shop. And if you do a little bit of research online, you'll find that there's a smaller, I think it's called the Wee Chippy. And uh, there's a bit of a lively debate as to which one's the best. Is the one with all the queues outside or is that little one down the road? So you can make your own judgment call on that one if you visit Anstruther. One thing I would say about the, the fish and chips is that in Fife, all the East Nuke of Fife used to be the industry was all based in the fishing, and it's a very, very complex story about overfishing. But the white fish stocks were basically decimated, and all white fishing stopped, or stopped being landed in Fife probably a couple of decades ago. Finally died out in the early 90s, so if you visit Pit and Weem now, which is the centre for landing the um, shellfish, it's only shellfish which are caught in the, the Fife fisheries, if you like. And the fleet, they don't just fish uh, in Fife, they spend a lot of time further up and down the coast and even over on the west coast. And it's relatively small amounts of shellfish that are coming in exclusively to Pit and Weem. So if you're sitting outside in Anstruther eating your fish and chips, it's likely to be Icelandic cod. And any white fish that you are eating is likely to have come from either Peterhead, which is our main uh, fish market these days, our main landing port or from Shetland, which is becoming a bit of a close second. So Anstruther is a lovely wee place. I mean, we spent a bit of time. We didn't uh, indulge in the fish and chips. We went over and sat down at one of the outdoor cafes and sat and had a, a coffee. But on the way into Anstruther, before we went for our coffee, we were greeted by the sound of the alarm for the lifeboat service. And uh, I've got some audio for you just to let you hear what it sounds like. Please clear the area. 
And it was quite a, an odd situation because you look at the 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 slipway down into the the harbour and you sort of have it in your mind this boat's gonna come shooting down at a rate of knots, but in reality the the harbour being tidal means that the boat is brought down by a tractor and the boat is on a trailer which has caterpillar type um wheels. So it's a very slow process of reversing the the tractor and pushing the boat down onto the the beach and then this tractor is fully water steeled if you like and it can trundle its way out into the harbour and uh, when the boat reaches a depth it can float it lets the the lifeboat go and off it off it goes and the tractor works its way back in so all of that took quite a few minutes but it was quite interesting to watch and then once that uh, excitement had died down we we had our coffee and uh, sat in Anstruther for a little while just watching the world go by and doing some people watching. So one of the things I would recommend that you consider doing when you're in Anstruther, which we didn't, was to take a boat trip out to the Isle of May. It's quite a commitment in terms of time, maybe five and a half hours or so. And it's just one of these wildlife seabird type boat excursions. And the Isle of May is really important for its colony of Grey seals, I think it's the largest, or one of the largest in the UK, and also a really important colony of puffins, as well as a whole range of seabirds which nest in the island. So not only do you have the, I think it's five miles out to the island in terms of a, a trip in the boat, uh, they're in another five miles back obviously, but you've got a couple of hours on shore as well to wander around. So if you like your bird watching, your seabirds in particular, or just uh, catching up with seals or doing something a little bit different, I'd recommend that you book that in advance. And it's seasonal in terms of, I think, through to probably end of September, early October. And there's a couple of different types of boat go out. There's a larger boat, takes about 100 people. And then there's one of these ribs, which is probably a faster boat, but less people. Maybe a little bit more exciting if you're a, an adrenaline junkie. So... Certainly a trip out to the Isle of May might be quite interesting. And also one of the companies involved is now running a, just started this year, they described it as a ferry service in the press releases, but it's really just another leisure tourist service for the summer. And it's a boat which is going from Anstruther to North Berwick. Now North Berwick's on the opposite coast of the Firth of Forth, it's about 11 miles away. And just off the coast of North Berwick, you've got the Bass Rock and in North Berwick, you've got the Sea Life Centre, so, or the Bird, Bird Sea Life something centre, I can't remember the name of it, but the Bass Rock's another really important colony of uh, my favourite bird of all time, and the gannet. Uh, there are probably tens of thousands of gannets on Bass Rock, and you can take a little trip out to see them, but this boat service between Anstruther and North Berwick is going to be quite popular, I think. And the manager or owner of the caravan park, she was actually heading over to use the service on the Sunday morning, taking her bicycle and going over with some friends. So that's an option if you're looking for a day trip, either from North Berwick to Anstruther or from Anstruther to North Berwick. And North Berwick's one of these uh, little commuter seaside towns. It's popular with tourists as well and has lots of, you know, Pleasant little cafes and places to eat and ice cream and fish and chips and 
Uh, probably quite like Anstruther in many ways. So that's a, a novel way to spend your day if the weather's kind and uh, you can get a place on the boat. Just travel over between the two towns. And then finally, when we're on the, the street in Anstruther, just next to the harbour, I noticed a little plaque which commemorated the Battle of the Isle of May. And this is a story that fascinated me after reading the text on this plaque. I took a photograph and spent some time researching it online. And really the, the Battle of May was described as such as a bit of black humour. It actually refers to a, a total disaster which took place out near the Isle of May during the First World War. I think in January 1918 there was a huge, I say huge, 40 ships were sailing out of the Firth of Forth at night and because they were concerned or worried about German U-boats, they were sailing without radio contact and without their navigation lights on and they were spread out over, you know, in a, in a line maybe 30, 20, 30 miles long and I mean, I, I don't want to bore you with all sorts of details about submarines and things but I was fascinated by the story because there was a whole number of these K-class submarines which turned out to be one of the disasters in terms of designs of the submarine, early submarine fleets. And the, the story goes that as this long line of ships was working its way out the Firth of Forth, one of the ships thought what it saw was lights coming in the opposite direction, probably a minesweeper of some kind, and it took evasive action. And the convoy behind started to follow suit. And one of these submarines suffered a, a jammed rudder or something. Anyway, the situation very quickly turned into absolute chaos and confusion. As submarines started to uh, crash into each other. And the ships at the front of the convoy turned round to come back and provide some assistance. And that created further confusion. And it resulted in five collisions involving eight vessels and during that whole chaos two of these k-class submarines were actually sunk and any of the sailors who or submariners who even survived in terms of being in the water were then tragically churned up in the propellers of all the other ships passing through so the entire escapade cost i think it was 104 people their lives and the entire episode was kept top secret. All the relatives ever heard was that their loved ones had been lost in action. And it wasn't, this is for me unbelievable, it wasn't until 1992 that the story began to be made public, by which point every single member of the crews involved had died. So there's a small plaque to commemorate the, the Battle of May, of the Isle of May uh, in Anstruther, but I think it's a story that still hasn't properly been fully explored. Uh, I find it difficult online to get the type of information that I would like to really understand exactly what happened. But these K-class submarines were bizarre. The people involved who were on the boats called them the Calamity class or the Killer class. Killer as in killing their own people because there was, I think, uh, 18 K-class submarines Six of them all sank in various forms of disasters and only one out of the 18 ever engaged the enemy and the torpedo it fired didn't explode. So they, 
were odd because they were designed to sail on the surface at the same speed as the surface fleet, so they had to be really, really fast, unlike normal submarines. And the only technology they could get to bring the submarine up to that speed on the surface was to use steam. So these huge, uh, long submarines had steam funnels, and these funnels had to be retracted when they went to dive. And a whole, whole set of problems associated with too many technologies all in their infancy or not compatible with each other meant that these submarines uh, faced disaster after disaster. Three of them went on to be recommissioned or remodeled into M-class submarines and two of them met their own disasters as well. So it's a terrible story if you're a submariner and you ended up in the K-class submarines in World War One. But this little plaque just seems out of place on the pavement in Anstruther. And uh, I just uh, find the internet in particular such a valuable tool that you can do so much these days that you wouldn't have been able to in the past. So if you're interested in your in the military or the navy or the World War One or Two or both, then maybe you could research the K-class submarines and the infamous uh, Battle of May. So I enjoyed my short visit to Anstruther over last weekend and I've been trying on this episode to avoid talking about the weather. I was saying last week that we're obsessed with the weather in Scotland but we did have another storm on the was it the Saturday night. We had thunder and lightning and torrential rain so but Sunday was a, a smashing day and uh, brought myself back home and was out at Flanders Most, one of my favourite places. And then as I say over the last few days I've been up in the hills locally and to keep the submarine theme going, uh, stretching a point or a pun here, I've been exploring this whole periscope app and thinking I might try that out when I'm out and about on my little travels. The downside in Scotland is that we don't have good enough phone signal. You know, 3G is a luxury in some places and uh, 4G is unheard of in most places. So occasionally when I'm out and about, I might... Try Periscope and if you haven't come across Periscope yet, it's live video streaming from smartphone to smartphone. So I think the bandwidth might be the issue, but it might be that I'll just pop up on my Periscope account and uh, do a quick five minute uh, conversation or audio description, I suppose it be video description of a place. If I'd had it in Anstruther, for instance, I could have shown you the, the uh, launch of the lifeboat. Or if I'm in a really beautiful place with a nice view, I can do a 360-degree, uh, what's the word, commentary on Periscope. So you can have a little look at Periscope, linked uh, owned by Twitter now, and it uh, helps if you have a Twitter account. You can download Periscope to your Android phone or your iPhone and uh, follow people in a similar way you would on Twitter and watch live Periscope videos that are coming in from all over the world. So maybe give that a try. And uh, I was just going to give you, finally before we finish for this week, was to give you an update on the PassingPlaces.Scot. Big thank you to a number of people who have been signing up for the, the newsletter or for more information on the new website and the new um, members area of the new website. And if you can just be patient for another, perhaps a week to a fortnight, because I'm in the middle of changing domains 
uh, both renewal of domain names, including the passingplaces.scot name, but also taking all my different websites over to a new internet service provider, which I'll be running through my own little company, Alba Digital Media. So I've got some real housework to do in the next week to fortnight, and then I'm going to crack on with uh, the launch of passingplaces.scot, which I mentioned last week is a it's going to be an over and above the normal weekly free podcast. I intend to have this website where people can join for a small monthly fee and access all sorts of additional audio and video of my travels around Scotland. So a lot of useful information and advice as well as just stories of what I'm up to and where I've been. So that's all in the pipeline. And if you'd like to be part of it in terms of a beta tester, become a member and therefore not have to pay any fees, I'm going to start off with a small, relatively small number of people. Uh, if you register using the email newsletter service, either on uh, bonnytours.com or at passingplaces.scot, just sign up for the newsletter and in the next fortnight or so, you'll get uh, your own membership and password free for the new service, certainly for the first year at least as a, as a founder member. And I'd like that first group of people to help me test out the site and fix any problems in the first month or two. And uh, beyond there, people will, as I say, be asked to make a small monthly contribution if they'd like to join. So that's where we're at with PassingPlaces.Scot. I've got no plans for next week yet, but uh, I am, as I say, working on this fitness thing. I'm up to up to five and a half thousand steps, I think, on Monday. And that's really working well in terms of getting me out the door every day. Skid's getting the benefit in terms of getting further walking. And I should be getting out to get some hill walking done this year. And I also tell you about this next week because I'm waiting on the delivery of a very special piece of equipment. I, I mention it in terms of the skid. It's a, a carrier to allow the dog to come on the bicycle. So I'll tell you all about that next week, but that's going to be quite uh, entertaining when that arrives. And we start his little training program to get him on the bike. He might get to use his doggles after all, which were intended for the motorbike. But if we can get skid sorted out, we can get on the bicycle. He's been the the excuse that I've been using now for two or three years. I can't leave the dog behind in the van to take the bicycle anywhere. So I'll tell you all about that next week. So I'm going to sign off at this point and again thank you for listening and for supporting the podcast and I hope you manage to get out and about and visit Scotland at some point in the near future and maybe one day I'll meet you on your travels. Thanks again. <laughs>